Hey, welcome. We're glad to have you with us today as we have our time of, of worship. And uh, we're continuing in a series that we started a couple of weeks ago uh, about thriving in isolation and knowing that uh, everyone's in their homes in isolation. We're back at our home and we're glad to be here and glad to be speaking to you uh, from my kitchen. And so as we open up our Bibles today, we want to see some things that God has for us to help us to thrive during this time of isolation. You've heard the phrase where it talks about the big picture. And sometimes people have said, you just need to understand the big picture. You need to see the big picture. Well, I think that today is an excellent time for us to look at COVID-19 and look at the big picture. And I'd like for us to look at it through the eyes of the Apostle Paul. Uh, this has been a good week for us. You know, in the middle of this week, our governor here in Alabama uh, began to uh, give some steps for us to move towards that phase one uh, opening to be able to release some of the restrictions that we've had. And so there's kind of an excitement as we can begin to, to move towards uh, phase one and then hopefully go to two and also to three. But one of the things we've noticed too is that there's been a flattening of the curve. And so when that curve is being flattened, it makes you think, hey, we're coming out on the other end of this. And so we've been in seven weeks of isolation. And by the time we get to phase three, it could be another maybe four, five, six weeks uh, for that. So you could say that we were like at the midpoint. And it's a good time to be able to stand and get a perspective. We've seen what's past. We look forward to what's ahead. Let's just see this whole thing from God's perspective what is the big picture of this COVID-19? We are looking at the Apostle Paul. This is a man who wrote about half of the New Testament and uh, most of, a lot of his life was spent in prison. And uh, he wrote uh, five books of the Bible uh, from prison. And we want to look at some of those books. Now, uh, one thing you think about in the imprisonment that we're talking about right now is that Paul was in Rome. And while he was in Rome, he was under house arrest and he was being chained to a Roman guard and he's being chained to him night and day. He could have some visitors come in, but only at, at selective times and he could not leave the house. He was definitely in social isolation. And for two years, he was there with just a rotation of Roman guards, a few visitors that would come see him. And, uh, and that was it. He couldn't get out, but yet he thrived in that isolation. And that's really what we would like to focus in on today. I mentioned to you that he wrote about five different books from there. We've already looked at two of those books, Ephesians and Philippians. So today we want to look at the book of Colossians. And so if you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Colossians chapter four. It's the last chapter and he's wrapping up his letter to this church in Colossae, a church that he had founded. And I want us to follow these verses, verses two through six. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Consider yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each 
person. Now, what Paul did is he's taking a big picture as he's closing out this letter. He's taking a big picture that can relate to us as we look at this pandemic. And there are three major areas of that big picture. Number one, the first thing he says is found in the second verse and is to pray persistently. Pray persistently. He used a phrase, he says, continue steadfastly. Now, that is just one word in the original language, and it means to be to persevere, to be persistent. It doesn't mean that you got to pray long prayers. It just means you need to be persistent. I love the way this word was used back in that day. It was a word that was used uh, for a boat that was uh, sitting uh, there uh, in the in the water and it was available for use. It was always available for use. So if you can just picture going to the lake or going to a harbor and there's a boat and it's always there whenever you need it. He says, that's really what prayer is. It's an activity that is always there for us and that we should use it. We should persist in prayer. So in the midst of this isolation, we need to be serious about our prayer life and persistently praying. But he says, when you do it, you're to do it with two things. Number one, it says with an alert mind, with an alert mind. That means to be observant. And whenever you think about to be alert, you think about being watchful and uh, the same word that he uses here for watchful is the same word that Jesus used in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, when Jesus was with his disciples on that night in which he was to be arrested, uh, they went up to a garden and he told them in the book of Matthew, he says, I want you to watch with me and pray so that you do not enter into temptation." And so when Paul is telling us here to watch and to be alert, he's saying you need to be alert to temptation. You need to have your eyes open. You don't need to be blindsided by it. Last week, I mentioned to you that we, being in isolation, we may be isolated from people, but we are never isolated from the power of God. And I could also say likewise that you're not isolated from the power or the lure of temptation. Because during times of isolation, uh, we can weaken our defenses, we can lower our guard, and in the midst of that, Satan himself can come in and put a foothold in our life, a foothold of temptation that can ruin our lives, ruin our careers, our influence, and our families, and our relationships. And so when Paul is saying pray, you need to be alert. You need to be alert to temptation. So as you go through this um, isolation, uh, be watchful, be alert. So he says, when you pray, you need to have an alert mind and you also need to have a thankful heart. I like how he talked about being, having a thankful heart. And that means that you need to be thankful for God and for all the things that he's done for you and to know that he is sovereign and he is in control. Even in the midst of these obstacles, difficulties, and in this isolation, he is still at work. And because of that, we can be thankful. <clears throat> I love that passage in the book of James that says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. You know, isn't that great? That every good thing that we have comes from God. And so it is a time that when I'm praying, I am thankful for the things that God has done for me. I've discovered in life <laughs> that, uh, that being thankful is really the zeal and the zest for my prayers. It gets me fired up. And so let's remember to persistently pray. So when you take the big picture, you start out with the persistence in prayer. But the second is that you are to pursue open doors to share the gospel. Pursue open doors to share the gospel. 
Now, it's interesting when in this passage, when Paul says, hey, I'm telling you folks, y'all need to continuously, steadfastly pray, uh, have an alert mind, have a thankful heart. And then he comes back and he says, and while you're praying, I would like for you to pray for us. Now, stop right there. Okay, when you think about that, when he says, pray for us, I want you to pray for me, how would you fill in that blank? Uh, it's just a, uh, you know, the show Family Feud. All right, so put, put your mind in with Family Feud. And in Family Feud, if they had this question, they brought the two teams up and they said, uh, I want you to tell me what you thought the number one answer was. Survey says, when the Apostle Paul said, oh, and while you're praying, pray for me that, how would you fill in the blank? Well, if it was me, I'd have hit the buzzer real quick and I would have said, pray for my release. That would have made sense. Eh, wrong answer. Well, the people over on the other side, they probably would have hit it and go, eh, uh, how about the escape? Pray that he could escape. And they go, eh, wrong answer. And then all of a sudden they come over to my family and said, okay, we're going to give it to you. And we give you an opportunity to guess. And what do you think it is? Paul prayed for what? Hey, one of the things I would have said is uh, better meals. Eh, wrong answer. How about uh, nicer guards? Eh, wrong answer. Uh, how about success in my trial? Eh, wrong answer. Struck out. So what did the survey say? Well, the survey had two answers to it. And the first answer was this. He says, pray for us that we may have a door of opportunity for the word. How about that? What he did is he said, I'm not praying for a door of escape. I'm praying that you will give me a door of opportunity to share the gospel message that can infiltrate this whole community in which I'm involved in. He says, I'm looking for a door of opportunity to share the gospel with those guards that are rotating with me every day. I pray that you'll give me a door of opportunity for any visitor that comes in to talk to me. He's saying, I'll want a door of opportunity to share the gospel so that when my trial comes, I'll be able to tell the people about who Jesus is. And he says, this is why I'm arrested, okay? And I want to be able to share and talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, what an answer uh, on there. And so he's desiring to have this opportunity, a door of opportunity that he could walk through and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember back in the 1980s, when the Cold War was going on between the United States and Russia, uh, there was a, a lot of discussion about uh, nuclear armament. And uh, as they had this big uh, uh, race to who could get the most nuclear weapons. And so uh, a lot of people were concerned that it would result in a lot of loss of life. And so a journalist came to Billy Graham, who was a leading evangelist during that day and a man of high influence. And they said, what do you think about all this loss of life that would take place? And Billy Graham's response was this. He says, well, he says, one thing is certain, and that is there's always going to be a one for one. And that means that you'll be born and you'll die. It's always going to happen. And he said, listen, everyone's going to die. They will. He said, but that's not the issue. The issue isn't, is everyone going to die? The issue is what will happen when they come face to face with God? And that's the main issue. And that's where Paul says, I want that open door to be able to share a word. And he says, I want to share about the mystery of Christ. So what is the mystery of Christ? Well, earlier in the book of Colossians, if you went to the first chapter and to the 27th verse, this is what he told them. 
He says, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is that salvation came to the Jews and Gentiles, that means all of us uh, total, and is through the indwelling power of Jesus Christ, that his power indwells us. He says, and that's the mystery that I want to proclaim. Listen, the Bible teaches us that God created us to have a relationship with him, but we chose to go our own way. And we went on and disobeyed his commandments, which the Bible calls that word sin. And we've all sinned against the holy God. And because of that sin, our life has experienced brokenness and um, regret and hurt and anger and, uh, and guilt. And because of all of this, we just sort of wrapped up in this ball of brokenness, of looking for, for something to get out of this. And then we look to God, and when we look to God, we see that God is a God of justice and a God of judgment, and he's also a God of love and of mercy. And for the just and judgment, the Bible says that if we sin, the payment of that sin is death. And it's because we've wronged a holy God, and so there has to be justice. But then the love and mercy of God, the Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in the love and mercy of God, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to come and to die on earth. And as he, as he died on earth, he goes to the cross and he takes the sins of all the world. And he could do that because he lived this perfect sinless life. But when he went to a cross, God poured all the sins of mankind, your sins and my sins on him, and he died for our sins. And they took his body down and they placed him in a grave. And then three days later, he raised from the dead. And when God raised him from the dead, it was a confirmation that Jesus had conquered sin and that also that he had conquered death. And so knowing that, you have a decision. It means you can either accept that gift or reject that gift. And if you reject the gift and say, no, I want to reject Jesus, then it means that you will be separated for eternity from God. But if you accept that gift, then it says that God comes into your life, that Jesus Christ comes and he saves you from your sins and that his Holy Spirit is poured into your life and empowers you. And this is the mystery of Christ. This is Christ in you. And then he says in that verse 27, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the hope of glory means that we have that hope of resurrection that lives within our lives. And that one day when we leave this world, we step into eternity. As we step into eternity, we are there in heaven in the presence of God. And that is just great news. I, you know, I have opportunities to, to do funerals. And, uh, and there, there are some funerals that I've done recently. And they're believers. And even in the midst of the isolation, and even in the midst of only having a small number of people that can be under the tent when you do a graveside service, and, and what many would think would be just the worst circumstances possible, there is a spirit and an air of celebration and victory. And it is that way because we know that that person who's a believer in Jesus Christ is in the presence of God right now. And because of that, we can rejoice and we have a hope. And so 
What Paul is saying is, when I take the big picture perspective, what I want to do is I want to pursue those open doors. And he said, I'm praying, I'm asking you to pray for me. Just give me an open door, all right? Now, you remember the, the Family Feud uh, illustration? I said there were the top two answers. Uh, what did the survey said? And the first survey uh, answer was, give me an open door. And now the second one's gonna be a little interesting because in verse four, if I can just read this to you, it says uh, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. His second prayer is that help me to know exactly what to say. Help me to be clear in what I have to say. Now, this is a great word of encouragement for every one of us. If the Apostle Paul, who's the greatest Christian that ever lived, wrote half of the New Testament, he's getting ready to share his faith, and he says, you know, I just want to make sure I just say it right. There's a little bit of nervousness there, and I want you to pray that I will get it just right. So listen, if you ever get nervous about sharing your faith with others, it's natural, and uh, it just comes about. But you just pray, God's power, uh, God's Spirit will empower you and allow you to be able to share. But that was his request, and that was his second answer, his second uh, answer to the survey. But look at this. You say, well, it, whenever he got an open door, what did he do? Well, I'm telling you what, he just ran right through it. He ran right through it. In Philippians uh, chapter one, verses 12 through 13, look what he says. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. The whole palace guard, how do they know? Because he's sharing his faith with, faith with them. And whenever there's an open door, he's sharing the gospel. And he closes out the letter of Philippians with this in, in chapter four, verse 22. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household, even the people in Caesar's household. So the gospel is spreading because he says, I want to pursue that open door. And when the, avail when the open door is there, I'm going to run through it. Listen, there are folks that are doing that all the time. Uh, Lisa Hogan, who is the executive director of Save a Life right here in Vestavia Hills, uh, they are a pregnancy care center. And they pray every day that God would give them some open doors to share with young ladies. And she shared with us about a little over a week ago that five women came in who were contemplating abortion. And by the time that she and her staff sat down, shared the gospel with them, all five of them decided that they chose life and they were going to give birth to those children. In fact, one of them was 38 weeks pregnant. She began to go into labor and had to send her to the hospital so she could deliver her child. You see, the door was open there. And she walked through that door, and because she walked through that door, five young women and five children's lives have been radically changed. Uh, Martin Young is a, uh, is a pastor uh, of a church in Stafford, England, and we partner with him. It's Rising Brook Church. And they are so... Uh, really focused on trying to reach their community for Christ. And they always pray for open doors, looking for these oppor opportunities. And again, about a week or so ago, we got a note from Martin to say that the local authorities in their community contacted Martin and said, we want your church to take the lead in helping us get through this COVID-19 virus. Man, what an open door that is. And so he and his church get to display the love of Christ and help an entire community navigate their way through this. And there are numerous stories of our members who are engaging in uh, gospel conversations that, that just thrill my soul. So just again, is you're gonna thrive in isolation. Don't focus so much on when am I getting out of isolation, but focus on 
for whom is it that I need to share the good news of Jesus Christ as we go through this time? Well, let me tell you what the third one is in the final. Uh, the final uh, big picture uh, view says this, position your life for kingdom impact. Position your life for kingdom impact. In verses five and six, uh, the apostle Paul gives them just four quick things to say, this is what you need to do. He says, first of all, you need to be wise. Conduct yourself wisely um, with outsiders. And what that means is those who don't know Christ. You need to live a life that is obedient to God's commands. You need to live a, a life that, uh, that is consistent with what he has, has taught us. And we need to do that, especially with those who are not believers because we are kind of that open Bible. We are uh, the, really the, a picture of who Christ is through our lives. I, I like what one commentator, F.F. F. Bruce said. He says, the reputation of the gospel is bound up with the behavior of those who claim to have experienced its saving power. Now just look at that quote for one moment here. The reputation of the gospel, the reputation of the gospel, it's bound up with the behavior of those who claim to have experienced its saving power. Listen, if we've ex received that saving power, we need to be living it out. And others need to see that. And when other people see that, then it provides us respect and it gives us a platform in which we can share the gospel. And what it does is it positions us to have kingdom impact. First of all, he said, be ready. Uh, excuse me. First of all, he, he said that we were to be wise. And second of all, he says, you need to be ready. He says, make the best use of your time. And that means that you need to look for opportunities to share your faith, even in the midst of social isolation. I think one of my favorite uh, football coach uh, quotes was the assistant coach who said, somebody says, are you ready to go? And uh, he says, uh, he says, I'm, I'm sitting on G waiting on O. I'm ready to go. That's the way we need to be, looking for that opportunity to be able to share uh, the gospel uh, with others. Um, each year when, when, uh, when new deacons come on our, our deacon body, we all meet together and, and all 33 deacons uh, get together and have a retreat. And I ask them to give me a verse uh, and a prayer request that I can pray for them and all the deacons can pray for them throughout the year. And like one of our deacons, he and his wife are in the real estate business. And this is what he wrote down. He says, Pray that my wife and I would have witnessing opportunities as we help folks find a home or sell their home. Isn't that great? I'm just looking for, uh, for open doors. And he said, that's what I want you to pray for me, that we'll have open doors in our business. Number three, he says to be gracious. He says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. He's talking about the content of your words and the manner in which you speak them. There needs to be a graciousness. Listen, our speech needs to be uh, one that's gracious, uh, one that's pure, one that's wholesome. And, uh, and, and, and with that, it says to be seasoned with salt. Now, during those days, salt would add taste and flavor. So I said, you need to have some, some excitement, uh, some flavor to your speech. Now, some of you are going to walk out here and say, the pastor said we need to have salty language. Well, in today's world, <laughs> salty language, it sounds like, oh, I've got some words that I don't need to. I'm not talking about that kind of salty. I'm talking about adding some flavor and adding some zest. And so he said, you need to be gracious. You need to be gracious. If you want to position yourself to have kingdom uh, impact, you need to be gracious in your talk. And the very last thing he says is to be prepared. 
You need to be prepared. And uh, the way he says is you need to, uh, need to know how you are to answer each person. So if somebody asks me about how can I have a relationship with Christ, I need to be able to present the gospel to them. And when someone has a question and they have an objection, uh, listen, you may not have all the answers. That's fine. Just be honest and say, yeah, that's a great question. I'll have to get back with you on that. And you can either go back and research it or contact me or any of our staff members, and, and we can get you an answer on that and then get back in to the conversation. Need to be prepared. So we want to help you to be prepared to be able to tell others about who Jesus is. And uh, it's an app that I'd love for you to be able to download right now. It's called Life on Mission, and it's a three-circle presentation. Our church has, has heard about this, and we've showed it before, but you can just go to your phone, go to your app store, and you can download Life on Mission. And when you get it, it's a three, it's a presentation, it's called Three Circles. It's easy to use and easy to illustrate. And on that app, it's got everything you need. It's got words that you can say, it's got the scripture verses, and there's even a four-minute video of someone walking through it to show how they've used that, um, that particular tool. So be prepared. And so you need to look for opportunities during these days of isolation to be able to share with others. And, um, you know, we're, we're kind of, like I said, we're at the halfway point. And uh, what's going to happen is that uh, our schedules are going to start getting filled up again. But right now, I think we're pretty captive because we're during this time of isolation. Look for ways to share your faith. And I encourage you as parents, look for ways to share with your children, uh, for spouses to share with an unsaved spouse. You can share uh, with either parents, it could be grandparents, it could be a roommate, but take this opportunity. Look for the open doors and share your faith. Carry the gospel to others during this time of isolation. And then... Um, let me challenge another group of you that are listening. Another group of you that are watching right now, you may have never made that decision. You've never asked Christ uh, to come in, into your heart. Now, I know some of you that are watching are children, children and teenagers. And uh, you as children and teenagers, you've heard the gospel. You know a lot about the gospel story, but you just have never made that decision. And I can understand life can get busy, even as a child and especially even as a teenager. Because not only do you have your schoolwork, but then you've got homework when you get home and you've got all the extracurricular activities. You know, we got travel ball, we've got regular practice, uh, we've got uh, music, musical instruments that I'm learning, or I've got choral practice, I've got a drama uh, practice. Uh, we may have math club, debate club, uh, cheerleading squads, all kind of things can be added to our, our schedule. And it's almost as if we're too busy to really make that decision. Here, Here's my challenge to you is that if you know that God is knocking on your door, wanting to come into your life, make that decision today, right there in your home. You can pray with your parents and just right there, ask Christ to come into, into your life. So I encourage you to do that. And there are others that are, that are adults who say, I'm looking around at my life and I'm just tired of this brokenness and I'm tired of having no purpose in my life. And uh, what you're talking about, Danny, I would love to come in this relationship with God. I'm gonna give you an opportunity in just a minute to pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart. Now, I wanna even say something specifically for single adults. 
I think for, for you yeah, guys and gals, it kind of hits you the hardest uh, because that isolation, uh, sometimes being a single, you feel isolated. Now with this isol- uh, social isolation and distancing, you feel even, uh, even more isolated. And there may be some of you who've, who've got roommates and, uh, and maybe a roommate's a believer and, and you're not a believer. And they've been talking to you and they've shared some things in scripture and they may have, pr- have either prayed for you or a- answered any questions, but yet you've never come to that point to make that decision. This is the perfect time in this time of isolation to make that decision for Christ. You know, when I was at Auburn uh, and um, I joined a fraternity, my sophomore year, we moved into a fraternity house. Uh, I roomed with a guy, a guy by the name of Mike, who was not a believer. He wasn't even close to it. But yet for that quarter that we had together, I would just read scripture, you know, as I'm doing daily Bible readings. And, and I'd talk to him about some things. He'd ask some questions. There were other believers in our fraternity that would try to pour into his life. And, and then all of a sudden, winter quarter came. And on that winter quarter, he, he co-opted. And so we went with the Alabama Power Company and he went to the Gorgas Steam Plant. And uh, he just sat there and had to read gauges. He had a lot of free time. So he got some Christian books. He began to read those Christian books. And in the midst of that isolation, he made the decision to receive Christ as Savior. He came back to school. He was a different man. He was transformed. And for 47 years, he has been walking the walk and uh, following the lead of Jesus Christ. But it was a decision that took place in isolation. So I want to encourage you, for any of you that are listening today, if you've never made this decision for Christ, I would love for you to make that now. And so I want to walk you through a prayer that I want you to pray with me. And as you walk through this prayer, uh, just it's, it's nothing magical about the words. It's more of what's in your heart. And so if you're ready to ask Christ to come into your heart, this is why I want you to pray. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you are the Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. I turn from that sin and I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, if you prayed that on the bottom of our screen is a number. And if you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to take your cell phone right now and text GOSPEL, G-O-S-B-E-L, to 205-749-7244. We would love to rejoice with you, encourage you, and follow up with you. So right now, text gospel. And that word gospel means good news to this number at the bottom of the screen. Now, if you're joining us live and you want to talk to someone, go to the lower right corner of the screen and click on live prayer. And if you're watching us later, then you can email us at prayatshades.org. We care for you and we want to walk with you through these times and to help you to thrive in isolation. Hey, listen, one final word is I want to encourage you to read the entire book of Colossians this week. Hey, it's just four chapters, but it can be a nourishment to your soul for this entire week. And so I want to take the privilege of closing us in a word of prayer. And uh, after that, I want you to stick around and create one more song to help us in our worship. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this day, this opportunity to look in your word and to get a big picture 
And Lord, in that big picture, help us to be people who are persistently praying. And we pray, Lord, that you will open up doors of opportunity for us to share the good news. And then may we position our lives in such a way that we can have a kingdom impact. Help all of us to be able to not just to make it through this time of isolation, but to thrive in isolation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope you have a great week.